0: Say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming
1: fans joining me now, a good friend and co-host, Dave Oliveri. Dave, good evening. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. A uh, little chilly this weekend, but for fans in western Pennsylvania, some great racing action, which we're going to talk
1: about. Our guests tonight include Anthony Aiello, the 2020 Modified Champion at Jennerstown Speedway, Mike Lisakowski, the new General Manager at Lernerville Speedway
2: on doug clark who's retiring from the super at pennsylvania motor speedway after 40 years and we also have an interview with uh, bill corch on the 32nd annual pittsburger from pennsylvania motor speedway
1: i saw some pictures of the doug clark thing and words can't describe them but i'd like you to give it a try
2: Ashley Moyer and listeners, if you get a chance, and as as Don and I talk about this uh, this little special event that we did with Doug Clark, um, Ashley, as as you well said, Don captured the moment, and uh, what it was is I've known Doug Clark as a friend my entire life. Doug and I are both. I'm a little bit older than Doug, and. uh, I've known him from age five on. We've gone through scouting together, through high school together, and then just our friendship at the racetrack. And Doug informed me earlier this year that him and his wife Britton, you know, he was retiring, and much to maybe his smarts, he's heading uh, south to Clearwater, Florida, to, to start this new chapter in his life. And just me being myself, Don, you know how I am. I, I got a a, a strong personal attachment to a lot of people. And I just thought I wanted to do something special for Doug and to give him a picture of the Speedway or to just give him a a, a poster or something. I, I didn't think that was what I wanted to do. So I reached out to the Miley's and asked uh, if, at one part of the pittsburgh weekend since it was probably doug's last weekend here at the track if i could just do something that would be that okay, okay. And, I, and i got the blessing and Don. it took a little bit of cooperation along with you know ashley and, and the, the super snuffers and the people but we pulled it off it was a total blindside and you know listeners that if you go to ashley's site there's about 30 photos and there's people over the course It. doug's been there in the back gate gone for 40 years and that's a long time and when you give up 40 40 years of saturdays uh that's a lot but the photos just capture the, the feelings and the emotions of Everybody that did it, and of course I was in the doghouse because I blindsided him. But you know, it was a there was one part where we both looked at each other, and it it, we both had a pause. There was a little gap there, but uh, I just couldn't be more thankful for Doug's friendship, uh, for all the people that participated at the racetrack, uh, the Super Snuffers. I just think the moment was. Uh, I guess and I'm kind of old school, we'll say it's a Kodak moment, because it was special to me and to so many people, Don.
1: Well, I'd like you to explain, the young lady that works the pit board with Smokey. Didn't she save Doug's life?
2: Yeah, yes, uh, for our listeners, her name is Melissa. Um, I'm sorry I don't know her last name. She's been helping Smokey out the last few years. Well, about two or three years ago, uh, Doug was talking to Ben Miley, back in his location, and Doug turned around and immediately hit the ground, and he uh, went into full cardiac arrest. He had a situation, what they call a blockage in the Widowmaker, and her, Melissa, and and another nurse were there instantly and performed CPR on Doug and brought him back to life, and uh, actually, by the time he was heading to the hospital, he was coherent, and you talk about people that do it. So he, she's always been his guardian angel. And I had a chance over the weekend, and I was walking around at some of the different uh, super-snuffer areas, and she happened to be there. And um, jokingly, I said, man, I'm complaining about my side. I said, it's, I don't know what I did. I think I pulled a muscle or something. And she says, my side's hurting, too. And I said, well, why is your side hurting? She says, and then again, talking about a guardian angel, she gave – one of her coworkers, I think a 911 dispatcher, a kidney. So how great is this? I'm complaining about a side, a little ache in my side, and here she gave a kidney, saved Doug's life, and there's a picture of her hugging him in that shot that Ashley takes. So it it, it was just ten minutes of um, uh, a memorable thing. Ray Gossett. Uh, basically concluded it with a little bit of a a prayer to wish them good luck in in their endeavors heading south. So, uh, again, I thank Ashley, the Super Snuffers, the Miley's, and everybody that allowed me to be a part of this special moment for Doug Don.
1: You know, we're talking about how uh, a, a medical crisis can impact racing, and I know you have an interview with Rick Eckert and an update on his grandson, and we're looking forward to playing that for the fans. I uh, want to remind you, if you miss any of Monday's program, you can go to RappinonRacing.com, 24-7, 365.
2: We also have inter- victory lane interviews with Cal Lucon, Levi Spinnewember, plus all the news with Bill Korch's coverage of the Pittsburgher 100.
1: Tom Lang has all the latest drag racing news and a wonderful explanation about the PID reunion at Keystone Raceway.
2: As always, we want to thank our marketing partners, alternative power sources, number one Cochrane Automotive, Jennerstown Speedway, along with Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, RPS Financial Solutions, and Toma Meat Market.
1: And a giant thank you goes out to Dave, not only an excellent reporter, but co-host of the show. Just does a wonderful job every week. Also, Lenny Baticki, Howie Bayless, Jim Ballantyne, Julie Coates, Tyler Harris, Bill Korch, Mike Lissakoski, and Jim Zufal.
2: And finally, special thanks to our senior engineers and technical advisors, Bill Korch, Ted Lucey, and Gary Scott, and also along with Bob Miller, our multimedia data collection facilitator.
1: You know, Dave, you think about what we have covered throughout the season, and some people, and this is the last regular show, some people say, oh, no. But the first Monday of every month from November to April – We're going to bring them up to date on all the exciting things that are coming up. For example, uh, I got the information today that the Motor Mountain Masters will be back at Jennerstown August 6 and 7. Plus, throughout the winter, there's going to be a lot of news generated. And if we would shut down in October and stay shut down until uh, April, we'd lose an opportunity to tell people a lot of important information.
2: Don, you know, we were so blessed this year. You know, we've been able to cover all areas of motorsports. And when this pandemic, you know, started in March, most of us, you know, you and I especially, we didn't know what we were going to talk about because we didn't know if there was going to be racing. But there was racing, and for the tracks that put on weekly shows and you and I visited, you know, we were so fortunate as fans in western Pennsylvania to be able to see racing because so many states, you know, haven't. So, I, again, listeners, I encourage you to is to, to join us, um, you know, in November when they're there once a month. And we're going to provide you the same information. I'm going to be here in the north. Dawn's going to be down there in the south. So I think we got things pretty well covered.
1: Also want to mention, you're making a road trip to North Carolina. You're coming down to give me a hand with some stuff. And Carol Gamble's riding down with you. She's going to visit the grandkids. But I'm going to take you to Millbridge Speedway. It's a little small. Uh, I think it's it's less than a quarter mile. But uh, I've seen Kyle Larson racing there, Ricky Stenhouse. And when you walk through the pits, Just about everybody there has some sort of a racing shirt. Most of them are NASCAR shirts because they're sons and grandsons of the uh, people that are involved in in cup racing.
2: Well, I'm looking forward to the trip. One, they get you, you and Donna home safely, and then I'm looking with much anticipation to my first trip to
1: Millbridge. Okay, Dave. Excellent report, as usual. We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Good night.
3: This is the Banker Bob Thought for Monday, October the 5th. A clear conscience is often
4: the sign of a bad memory.
5: This portion of today's program is brought to you by Number One Cochrane Automotive
4: jennerstown speedway would like to thank the marketing partners that made the 2020 racing season a memorable one martella's pharmacies stoys town auto records ron's collision center and auto sales farmers union co-op somerset trust company stony's premium and stony's light beer kenny ross chevrolet and all the sponsors of the 2020 racing season congratulations to the jennerstown speedway champions late model champion albert francis modified champion anthony aiello street stock champion casey Flegel, charger champion dale kimberly four-cylinder champion jeff Vassos and a special thank you to all the race fans who made the 2020 racing season at the jennerstown
6: speedway complex a successful one we'll see you in 2021 racers race fans or campers are you looking for power on demand and excellent service then see our friends at alternative power sources Alternative Power Sources offers a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects from sales and rentals to service, maintenance and installation. Alternative Power Sources, Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania, has proudly served homeowners and businesses in Pennsylvania, Ohio and West Virginia since 1995. Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include Bluestar, NOLAR, ASCO, Yamaha, Powertech and Southeast Power Products. The sales force at Alternative Power Sources has over 60 years experience in the generator field, providing you with the best resources to design the generator package that meets your needs and specifications and to supply the the top-of-the-line specified products if power on demand and excellent service are important to you then call alternative power sources at 1-800 eight nine four four 4455
1: hey this is joey logano and you're listening to rapid on racing all right fans joining us now with some information at the jennerstown speedway mike lisakoski mike good evening how are you
7: good evening don uh, it is a very good evening because i have some breaking news from the jennerstown speedway and. Fans may want to grab a pad and a pencil, because we have a couple of dates to remember for the 2021 season, uh, indeed breaking news, because uh, you know last week's report, we were kind of at that point in the season where the racing had been finished up, and I kind of editorialized my views on the top ten in the point standings in each division, but this week we have real news to report, and that's why I'm so glad Rapid on Racing is here for the fans. Before we get to those dates, I want to mention that the awards banquet to celebrate the 2020 season will be on Friday, November 20th, and more dates and location will be announced. You can stay in touch with that information by visiting the website at jennerstown.org. Uh, That'll be an event that is, of course, open to the race fans as well, if they would like to celebrate with the drivers and race teams who had a fantastic 2020 racing season at Jennerstown Speedway. And before we talk about those dates for next season, I kind of wanted to close out the idea of last week's report and talking about the champions and those who uh, had a great season. You know, we have a 19-year-old, maybe 20-year-old by now, uh, a late model champion from the state of Ohio. Uh, and I wanted to let fans know that uh, Albert Francis's race team actually has a very strong connection not only to the earlier era of asphalt racing at Jennerstown Speedway, but that team even has a connection once removed going all the way back to the days of Heidelberg Raceway. Uh, now, I'm doing this from memory, so I don't have anything in front of me here, but at the Heidelberg Raceway uh, through the 1960s and 70s, a driver by the name of Art Summers, uh, a Michigan driver, made the trip to Heidelberg for most all of the big late model special events of that time. And from the photos that I've seen, he was typically a car number 10. Uh, If racing historian Paul Fay is listening to this, he may have some more information on that. As uh, Heidelberg was, of course, before my time, but uh, as an amateur historian, Art Summers in his number 10 car made repeated visits to the Heidelberg Raceway. Later on, his son, who he had brought with him to Heidelberg several times, Jay Summers, became an asphalt late model racer. And Jay Summers... Drove the Francis Engineering car number thirty-three, and during during uh, J. Summers' career, that is. Uh, They made routine visits to Jennerstown Speedway, not only for some super late model special events, but that team also ran the ASA Tour, the original, the actual ASA Tour, uh, competing alongside drivers like Mike Eddy and Bob Senecker in a number 33 Francis Engineering car. So uh, as I look back through my collection, I actually have one uh, one of the hero cards handed out in the autograph session of Jay Summers, driving the francis engineering number thirty three now the francis team fast forward to present day they had a couple of other drivers after jay summers but uh... the team didn't compete much for several seasons after that uh... they were at one point a weekly team at the lake erie speedway and now with an in-house driver from the family Albert Francis wins the 2020 championship at Jennerstown Speedway. So I just wanted to share that because even though he's a teenager and comes from across the state lines, a strong connection to the previous era at Jennerstown Speedway with that racing team, and once removed, even a connection to the old Heidelberg Raceway. So concluding the 2020 season news, we're going to jump into the calendar for 2021. On 2021's calendar, July 24th, will be the return of the monster trucks to the Jennerstown Speedway complex. And in the first two seasons of monster truck action at Jennerstown Speedway, there was the tough truck competition that was a companion to that. Well, this year, we're going to entice the two-wheel fans with a motocross show as the companion to the Monster Trucks on July 24th. So for all the race teams out there planning to race for points at Jennerstown Speedway next season, that is the one weekend you can plan a, a quick getaway with the family and not lose any points because we will have no cars circling the Jennerstown Speedway on July 24th. It will be the annual Monster Truck visit with a motocross show as the companion. Great news for the Super Cup Stock Car Series fans, as that tour completely suspended operations in 2020 due to things happening in our society. Well, they are putting together a 2021 schedule, and Jennerstown is back on the tour with two dates as usual. That'll be July 10th and August 21st. And There's a lot of local flavor in that series in recent seasons, as drivers like John Komarinsky, drivers like the popular Lauren Butler, drivers like Andrew Kostelnik, a former Jennerstown champion, just like Butler, all compete on that tour, along with Jeff Zellweger from the old Motor Drone days, and uh, drivers like Will Ashton, who uh, was a winner in that series at his home track of the Jennerstown Speedway. So keep those dates in mind. July 10th and August 21st, the Super Cup Stock Car Series returns to Jennerstown Speedway Complex, and finally... One more date to announce, sharpen that pencil and jot it down. The Motor Mountain Masters returns to the Jennerstown Speedway Complex August 6th and 7th of 2021. Practice day August 6th and August 7th, one of the most noted national events in asphalt weight model racing returns to motor mountain the jennerstown speedway complex so don some great news about the 2021 calendar coming together and as life is going to return to normal i'm sure by that point the super cup stock cars return and another opportunity to see national caliber late model racing with the fourth annual motor mountain masters announced at jennerstown don
1: excellent information and some big dates and then and like you said they want to keep that in mind you know the monster trucks is a different crowd but to let the people know and then to have the uh, motocross there that's just the uh, icing on the cake
7: yeah I, I know that's a, an event that doesn't necessarily appeal to the rapid on racing listeners but if anybody out there is interested in that event that is the one date that advanced tickets are probably necessary because that show has been nearly a sellout the first two times it's happened at Jennerstown, and now adding the motocross interest to it, uh, yeah, that, that'll be an advanced ticket purchase, I think, just to be safe. And, and like I said, for the listeners of this show, the important part of that for a driver who wants to compete for points, that's the date to plan the family vacation for all the competitors who need a quick getaway in midsummer and, and uh, not lose any of the points from a typical night of racing.
1: And that's a good idea because every team needs to have that break for the family.
7: That's exactly right. And, and each and every season, that event seems to happen right about the time in, in the heat of mid to late summer when tempers are starting to flare a little bit as well. So it's great to let everybody cool down and, and take a week to get that equipment refurbished for a run at the second half of the racing season.
1: Okay, Mike, excellent report. I want to thank you for that. Uh, must be the busiest man in short track racing now, but you're getting it done.
7: <laughs> it's been a lot of fun and uh, looking more forward to 2021 now that that calendar is starting to take shape as well. and. Uh And boy, you know, that that announcement of the Masters race, I mean, everybody knew that it was going to return because of the success of the race, and I applaud Billy and all the crew there for getting that date out quickly, because when we talk about the local drivers needing to know when to take a break, those national-level competitors are starting to piece their calendars together as well, and the earlier that information gets out, the more drivers from more different states will likely to be there to campaign for one of the biggest paychecks anywhere in asphalt racing that weekend.
1: And the race just gets bigger and better every year, and the quality of the cars coming in is phenomenal.
7: Well, with the money that's on the line, and with the Jennerstown Speedway being such a desired facility for teams to come and and open up on those big straightaways and big wide turns. You know, keeping in mind, most of the drivers that race at the Masters have home tracks that are significantly smaller. So they look forward not only to the big paycheck, but they also look forward to the high speeds coming there. It's not a surprise that the event draws what it does. To me, the surprise, Don, is in only four years, it has become a race that... For example, when you attend the PRI Racing Trade Show, which has been canceled for this winter for obvious reasons, you attend an event like the Trade Show or you go to Florida Speed Weeks where there's a congregation of everybody who's anybody in the racing world, the Masters event is right on the tip of their tongue in only four, this will be the fourth one coming up. So the the fact that the money and the facility draw those great teams is is pretty much something you could expect with those kind of dollars on the line. But the prestige of the race leaping so quickly forward in only three completed events leading up to the fourth one this August, uh, that's the part that's a little bit surprising, that it's made such a splash in the asphalt racing world in so little time.
1: Mike, excellent report. We're going to our off-season once a month, and we'll talk to you on November 2nd.
7: Looking forward to it, Don. Thanks a lot.
1: You have a good evening. You do the same. fans, what we're going to do next is talk to the Asphalt Modified Champion from the Jennerstein Speedway, Anthony Aiello. Good evening, how are you?
8: Very good, Don. How are
1: you doing? Good. Now before we get into your current success, I want to roll the clock back because we get new listeners every show. So some of them are probably thinking... Who is Anthony Aiello? So let's start. Uh, I believe your career began at Motordrome in 2011. Let's start there. What were you driving, and how did you get started?
8: Uh, yeah, we started in 2011 driving a charter car, and you know we got off Chad Goring and uh, Adam Kostonic. You know, he got me going. He was driving my dad, and Howie this was modified, and we took it apart that winter and, you know, redid some things, and... Yeah, you know, got started and I got lucky my like within six races, I think I won my first race in that car and I ran that until two thousand fourteen and we won a championship in that and uh sold it to Dale Kimberly, I believe he still has the car. I'm not sure if he sold it yet and then uh we moved up to the street stocks, got lucky in that, won the championship the first year in that and uh ended up selling that to Grey Burbage and uh then we got the modified and 2017 in a swap meet with just a chassis and uh, had it clipped by Scott Baker and you know we had we've had a lot of success in that I think I had my most wins in the modified and no, we've won three in a row in the championships up at Genderstown. and you know it's it's been a ride and you know I, it's a little bit of luck and you know it's a little bit of skill too and you know I got a good crew behind me and that's what helps. All right
1: you mentioned you got lucky i don't think hard work and preparation and good driving is not luck i mean occasionally it'll happen at the track but over those many years of your career uh that wasn't luck that was just dedication and hard work and you got a good crew we'll get to them in a little bit um i know the answer but our new listeners don't how did you pick your number Oh, uh, that's Mark
8: Catone, and uh, you know, hes he was my hero growing up, and I just wanted to be a little bit different, because my dad and Adam were double zero, and I just didn't feel that, you know, I felt like I was going to move up eventually, not, you know, right away, and there can't be two double zeros, you know, so I figured on 31, and, you know, I'm happy with
1: my choice there. Now, Mark, uh, he's involved with your team, isn't he?
8: Oh, yeah, yeah, Mark... um first year with this modified i i didn't understand the three link suspension um you know we luckily the car was good off the trailer you know the first year um last year it was we won three races but it was definitely a struggle to find a handling And you know having him around definitely helped with you know advancing my understanding of you know three link suspension and understanding what bar angles are doing and things like that you know this year I wasn't happy with, you know, how the car was last year. It just wasn't consistent and uh, with his knowledge, you know, I read some books myself and you know, asked some other people some questions and you know, I got the car very consistent this year and that, that's that's helped a lot with learn, the learning curve.
1: Well, I know when I talked to your dad uh, earlier last week, he, he mentioned that. He said, Anthony's always reading. I said, some people think he just gets in the car and drives it, but he's a big part of the setup. So uh, your your efforts are working. I still find it fascinating that you, you fellows went to a swap meet and bought a bare chassis and you're now the three-time modified champion, three years in a row. You've got to be really proud of that.
8: Oh, yeah, I mean, the former owners, there's uh, John White, he's a modified guy out in Ohio, and I believe it was Jeff Fade Jr. we bought it off of. He's a modified and street stock guy out of Ohio, and I believe the chassis is a 99 left-hander, and as far as I know, uh, they told me it had about 80 wins on it or something like that And before I got it, so um, Shorts has over 100 now. That can't really keep count, but... Um, <laughs> It's definitely a good car. I mean, it's worked out. So
1: A 99 left-hander. Well, basically, it's just the frame rails in the cage because you guys have updated it. Um, yes. When we look at your success in the modifieds uh, and we look at 2021, will you still be in the modifieds or have you ever given any thought to maybe trying a late model? Uh,
8: you know, the late model has always been a thought, I, You know, especially after this year getting better with understanding these chassis and you know i I, it's not that it's not still a challenge but you always want to keep going higher and higher and you know setting your goals and setting your bar higher and you know the late model would definitely be a challenge i think and like like i said not that the modified still not a challenge but it's i I got that car pretty figured out right now and you know I, i would think that the late model would definitely be a better challenge and you know Harder so understanding with the shocks.
1: I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Fans, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Anthony Aiello, the three-time and current asphalt modified champion at Jennerstown Speedway. Now, when you uh, take uh, your tally in this modified, how many in those three years that you're champion? Uh, how many th- wins do you have? Do you have any record of that?
8: Oh, I know there's 10 the first year, 3 and 4, so probably 17, I think, I, I want to say, give or take. That's which, per- you know, pretty three impressive. years, 17.
1: Yeah. Now, there's some good competition uh, in that division, and I find that you've done quite well when they have a big race and people come in from out of town, because Billy Rebar has created a situation there that in the Modifieds and the Late Models, travelers come in. When someone comes in that you know's a, a hot dog, um, does your game plan change? Well,
8: yeah, this year, to be honest, um, Rick Sibla came in and just cleaned house and uh, that was partially you know, a, a wrongdoing of mine. I found something wrong with this uh, left front spindle and never went over to Bumpster or anything. We were just kind of, we were right there with them, you know, him and Tom Goldwick this year and uh it just the car wasn't right i knew something wasn't right you know you, you change five different things and you don't get anything you know happening to the car There's definitely an issue and then next week i uh took the whole front end apart found the bump steer was way out of whack and you know that ever since then i think there was four races left i think we won three or four or two or four or something like that and i mean that the car is just very consistent and that's that's what helps
1: now racing is very time consuming, but in real life I understand you recently graduated from Pitt. Uh, talk about that a little bit.
8: Yeah, we you know, I had to I took a little bit of a further route and went six years instead of four and you know, to get my bachelor's just, you know, with working and everything else. It took a little bit more time than I wanted it to, but um, you know, it, it, it worked out for the better and you know, finally got my degree and can get my life going.
1: Uh, any long-term goals based on your degree, what you'd like to do uh, for your uh, work situation?
8: Well, my degree's in business management, so, you know, my dad owning the body shop, I definitely someday would like to, you know, take over the reins of that, but don't think my dad's just quite ready for that yet, so um, I'm here helping him, and, you know, I do some other stuff on the side too and that's that's basically the goal for right now
1: well dad's too young to retire so that'll give you an opportunity to grow into that situation Um, all these races all these wins it takes a good crew let's talk about them
8: Uh, yeah you know first and foremost i gotta thank my girlfriend you know her family you know she puts up with a lot letting you know the long nights in the garage and let me do what I love and you know I got to especially thank my mom and dad you know without them you know the financial support they still give to this day you know and the help my dad gives uh, I wouldn't be anywhere you know and I gotta thank Adam Kostanek and Howie Bayless you know Holly, he's always got something to do with this always got his hands in this and Adams uh you know for teaching me everything I didn't even know how to use a a gun when I was 14 years old when I started start going down his garage and you know he had me cutting cars apart with them and welding things and trying different things and seeing what I could do, and, you know, I, luckily I caught on to it. But um, to continue down the list, i got to thank Mark Catone, Paul Seacrest, uh, our guy Sonny, Cody Little, and the Rocco family, uh, Kimberly Contracting, the Kimberly family, Stonehouse, uh, anchor hoagies, World of Values, Trailer Service Plus, Totem Mobility Services, North Star Equipment, Stance Transmission, Top Notch Fabrication, uh, Quick Time Suspension, Jones Racing Products, and you know, lastly I gotta thank uh Jenner's Speedway and their staff for you know giving us something to do during this crazy year. I wasn't sure we were gonna be able to race and you know, they luckily came on through and you know first, you know, lastly I gotta thank the fans for coming out every week. I you know and it's a crazy year for people's financial situations and I mean the crowd was pretty packed each week this year.
1: What Billy Rebar and the management and the staff have done at Jenner's time is nothing short of incredible. Every week, a great show, good food, uh, just it's it's like a perfect scenario. You mentioned Adam. I think as good as he is with a drive as a driver, and he is excellent. I think he's even more creative and more successful as a car builder. He has built so many cars for so many people, and they're all winning.
8: Oh yeah, still winning to this day. I mean, there, there's cars from the '90s that he has still winning, and I mean, what we, I, I, I I'm thankful and lucky that I got to learn from him, and you know, and see what he does. And he gave me an open book and. Not too many people are willing to do that, and you know, but for him to do that to, for, well, do that for a fourteen-year-old kid, fifteen-year-old kid, you know, that's something remarkable, and to have the patience to deal with that—he's
1: an amazing guy. We're coming up on a commercial break. Do you have any closing thoughts? Is there anything that we have missed?
8: Uh, I, I believe we're all good, but I just want to thank you for having me on
1: tonight. It's my pleasure. You know, what I told Billy, when the season winds down, over the winter, the show's once a month. It's the first Monday of every month until the season starts. And I said, I want to highlight all your champions. And he said, okay, make sure you get uh, Anthony on there. And we did that. So I'm sure he'll be happy. I want to thank you for being with us this evening. You have a nice night. You too. Thank you.
6: Business owners, if your ad was here, our listeners could find out about your company. Speedway Productions has several advertising packages to fit your budget. Wrappin' on Racing airs live Mondays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, RappingonRacing.com, or Hulu Television. You can also listen on your computer, iPhone, or iPad. Don and his co-hosts present the good, the bad, and the ugly of local racing. The two-hour show features local track reports, special guests, driver interviews, and all of the national racing news. Check out the show and let us know if you are interested in becoming a marketing partner. For additional information, call 412-999-6625 or email wrappingonracing at gmail.com
4: jennerstown speedway would like to thank the marketing partners that made the 2020 racing season a memorable one martella's pharmacies stoystown auto records ron's collision center and auto sales farmers union co-op somerset trust company Stoney's Premium and Stoney's Light Beer Kenny Ross Chevrolet and all the sponsors of the 2020 racing season Congratulations to the Jennerstown Speedway Champions Late Model Champion Albert Francis Modified Champion Anthony Aiello Street Stock Champion Casey Flegel Charger Champion Dale Kimberly, Four Cylinder Champion Jeff Vassos And a special thank you to all the race fans who made the 2020 racing season at the Jennerstown Speedway Complex a successful one. We'll see you in 2021.
9: And now, more Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri.
10: And thank you, race fans, for coming to Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. We come as fans and a member of the media every Saturday night or Friday night or Sunday night at our local track. The gentleman that just pulled up behind me is probably going to give me heck on this one because he has no idea what's going on. But this is my friend Doug Clark. Doug's a friend of people in the stands and many of our drivers here in the pits. And Doug informed me earlier this year... Of course, he retired early. Unfortunately, I can't do that yet. But uh, Doug and his wife uh, are moving to Clearwater, Florida in a few weeks. And I just thought it was appropriate that I pay thanks to Doug. Uh, Doug's been a lifelong friend. I've known him since I was five years old. We were in grade school together, scouting together, high school, and through the racing days. But just to tell you, the gentleman that's probably behind me, Stations every week in that far corner as you come out of pit out. And over the course, now this is hard to believe, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway opened in 1979. This gentleman has given 38 years to Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. So at this time, if I could have a round of applause for Doug for 38 years. I think the most difficult thing for many of us is whether you're a fan or a pit crew member, when you cross over that track or the first person you see as a driver leaving the track is this familiar tall figure sitting back there. Sometimes he has a ball cap on, sometimes it's a straw hat. But for the most part, you'll see a wave and you'll see a thumbs up. So what I want to do before I turn the mic over to Doug here, Doug is a friend, the Miley family, I just want to thank you for all your years of friendship for all of us. He already said I'm in trouble, (laughs) but um, Doug, it's going to be different. I mean, your forces are going to be there, your partner in crime, Terry Smith, uh, it's just going to be different here, but I will haunt you in Florida, I promise you, speed weeks are coming early. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have Doug say a few words.
11: Thank you, Dave.
10: I appreciate it very much.
11: it's pretty touching. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I met a lot of people, a lot of drivers, a lot of fans. And it's just been something else It's uh, really affected my life. I had a heart issue a couple years ago. Never realized
8: uh, how many people were concerned.
11: And I I just love this. I'm not only a farmer here, but I'm a fan too. And. Uh, I just made it a point to be here every week that I could for these guys and do, do what I can for them like they do for you guys. And uh, just pray everybody's okay tonight and have a great show for you guys
6: in the stands.
10: Doug I have Ray Gossett here Ray's been a big part of your life uh, for these 38 years and fans what we're going to do Ray's going to say a prayer of blessing for Doug that he has a safe journey down to Florida in a few weeks and the rest of his life in Clearwater Florida while we all freeze here in Pennsylvania.
9: One of the greatest joys is the relationships that uh, our fosters here at the racetrack. Uh, Doug and I have got to not only be friends but uh, I say form a brotherhood Doug, you're going to be missed, but I look forward to coming down to Florida to see you, especially in January. Let us pray. Father God, we love you and thank you for Doug. I thank you for the service that he has so faithfully served here at PPMS. Father God, we pray that as he and his wife move to Florida, that you would bless them, bless their marriage. I pray for health and happiness, and that you would bless all that his hands touch. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
5: And now more rapping on Racing with your hosts Don Gamble
3: and Jim Zufall. in the year 2020 where nothing was the same as anything we are certainly used to in the racing world one thing that remained constant was the pittsburgh 100 at pittsburgh's pennsylvania motor speedway the 2020 edition went off without a hitch of course the new covid regulations were all in place and our wonderful fan base at ppms certainly stepped up and cooperated just as we expected so the pittsburgh format was a little bit different this year in that it was a two-day event as always but two separate racing programs Friday, October 2nd, was the prelude to the Pittsburgher, and that re- that included a complete show for the Bill Hendren Memorial for the Rush Dirt Late Model Touring Series. And the Touring Series from Rush also conducts a race called One to Remember, which is a race for all non-winners of any sort of limited late model division. We'll get to those uh, races in just a few moments, but other races that went on on Friday night on the prelude to the Pittsburgher. Our Pro Stocks, our Admar Pro Stocks race was won by Daryl Charlier driving the 114 car. The Ben Laboon owned 114. Todd Weldon was second. Nick Kachuba, Jim Fosnott, and Bill Robertson rounded out the top five. And Daryl Charlier was your heat race winner as well. In the Keystone Coach Works Hobby Stocks, it was Cody Catellus and Marcus Simmons picking up the heat races. And when it was all said and done after a 12-lap feature event for the Keystone Coach Works Hobby Stocks, Cody Catellus picking up yet another win on the 2020 season with Frank McGill, Marcus Simmons, Matt Bernard, Kayla McManus rounding out the top five, Tony McGill, Brian Hutchko, John Kane, and Carly Kovacs, and Mike Tropic rounding out the top ten. And the OU2, sorry, seventh place was not Brian Hutchko. Actually, it was Jacob Weiser in the Ed Weiser-owned OU2. Also contested on Friday night was the open four-cylinder. That's the Crawford Auto Repair open four-cylinders. Derek Quigley in the 65Q with his very first career win, not only in the division, but first career win overall. Quigley part of that Catullus group that is here every Saturday night at PPMS. This happened to be Friday night, and he picked up the win In the Crawford Auto Repair four-cylinders, Chris Knight, who was your heat race winner, finished second. Eric Reynolds, Steve Longwell Sr., Lucas Weaver in a new car, the 89 car now, not the familiar 11W., And Matt Knight picked up the 6th place in his number 71. Noah Bubeck continued his perfect streak in the Young Guns, picking up the win and he continues to win as our champion of the 2020 season in the Young Guns. Now, back to the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series and the Rush Series. The Rush Series, as I said, had the Bill Hendren Memorial on Friday night along with the One to Remember race. The Hendren Memorial paid $3,100 to win for a 30-lap race. That was a complete show on friday then on saturday the rush series returned and they returned along with the arrival of the lucas oil late model dirt series for the 32nd annual Pittsburgher 100 and what a 100 race it was The lucas oil series cars with a ton of cars checked in actually both in the rush series and the lucas series it was a great race Wrapping on Racing's Bill Kortch was on hand, and he files this report on Lucas and the Rush Dirt Late Model Touring Series.
9: The 32nd Annual Pittsburgher was held this past weekend at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, sanctioned by the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series and paying $20,000 to win. The weekend also featured two Bill Hendren Memorial 30-lap races for the Rush Crate Late Model Series. More later in this report. 35 super late models were in the pits on Saturday night with Josh Richards setting the fast time. Devin Moran won the first heat race with Greg Satterley second. Second heat went to Shane Clatton, Hudson O'Neill finishing second. The third heat went to Josh Richards. Tim McCready was the runner-up. Finally, in the fourth heat, Kyle Strickler the winner, Chris Ferguson second. In the first B main, Jared Miley was the winner with Tyler Erb second. And in the second B it was Jonathan Davenport, yes, forced to run a B, He was the winner over Rick Eckerd. When the green flag fell for the feature, little did the 24 drivers know how much tires would play a factor. Moran led the first 16 laps of the race until Richards took over the top spot. He held the lead until Moran regained it on lap 36. The first caution of the race waved with 40 laps complete as the previously announced fuel stop took place. And under the red flag, Richards, who was running second, had a tire going down, so he and several other competitors headed to the hot pit to change tires before the green would come back out again. Moran continued to lead after the restart, with Tim McCready moving into second and Greg Satterley third. Tire wear then continued to be an issue, and when a caution flew on lap 82, the top two drivers in the race, Moran and McCready, both headed to the hot pit to change flat tires. That gave the lead to 14th starting Ricky Thornton Jr. Thornton took advantage of several restarts in the final 18 laps to stretch his lead over the field. Richards, with his fresh right-side tire, had worked his way back to second place, but he didn't have enough for Thornton, as he went unchallenged to score the $20,000 victory, his first in the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series. In victory lane, Thornton said tire choice was the key. I think we were probably the only
8: one that went hard on tires. Uh, we, we flipped a coin, and we kind of went against it. So, uh, But when we had that break for fuel, Taylor kind of looked at everybody's stuff, and he's like, there's no way they're going to make it without having some problems. So, uh, you know, it just kind of worked out for us.
9: After the final restart, our green-white checkered finish became a bit confusing when the checkered flag didn't come out right away. But that didn't throw Thornton.
8: Yeah, they told us it was a green-white checker on the restart, and they come across, and the guy's like, all right, we got two to go. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep going until I see a checker to make sure we're good.
9: And about getting that first win in the prestigious Lucas Oil Series.
10: Oh, it's huge. You
8: know, growing up, it's this is definitely where everybody wants to be uh, as far as uh, dirt track racing. So, you know, to be able to come out and, uh, and really I started
12: 14th and drive to the front like that, uh, it's pretty special.
9: Second-place finisher Josh Richards talked about the long green flag stretch at the beginning.
12: We weren't obviously anticipating that happening. We went softer on right rear tire, and I was just really just trying to ride, and we caught Stormy there lapping him. I'm like, I'm just going to run up the middle of the racetrack and try to get beside him, and then Devin got us back. Um, and I was like, all right, we still have a long way left. I'm just really just trying to ride at that point.
9: But Richard said the tire change helped him work his way back.
12: We ought to put a harder tire back on and be in front of all those other guys, and, man, those last 10 laps were really nerve-wracking, or 15, whatever it was when those guys were blowing out. You know, I was really wanting to win tonight, but uh, we'll certainly take second. got what we can get, and uh, hopefully we get a couple more for the end of the year.
9: And third-place finisher Earl Pearson Jr. was glad to just make it through the tire situation.
10: Well, if you notice at the first caution, everybody was pulling in. Um, You know, a couple had a flat tire, but my tire was already wore out. So we went in there and put a 40 on, so we knew we could be a little bit more aggressive, uh, you know, after that.
9: Thornton, Stormy Scott, and Shane Clanton were the only three drivers who did not pit during the race. The top 12 at the 32nd Annual Pittsburgher, Ricky Thornton Jr. the winner, Josh Richard's second, Earl Pearson Jr. third, Stormy Scott was fourth, and Michael Norris finished fifth. Six through ten went to Jonathan Davenport, Chris Ferguson, Shane Clanton, Devin Moran, and Tanner English, followed by Cal Bronson and Jared Miley. Meanwhile, the Rush Cray Late Model Series was also at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway over the weekend for two Bill Hendrick Memorial 30-lap feature races. 41 cars were in the pits on Friday night, with Ben Police setting the fast time. Tommy Schoenhofer Jr. was second fastest. Police would later have overheating problems, which eliminated his car for the rest of the weekend. Four heat races were held, with Logan Zarin winning the first one. Cal Hardy was second. Alex Faree in the Betts number 60 car finished first in the second heat race. And Levi Spinneweber, who was in a Lucon team car, finished second. Garrett Paul won the third heat. Tim Schaefer was second. Finally, in the fourth heat, it was Kyle Lucon getting the win. Tommy Schoenhofer was second. Zach Gunn and Josh Ferry finished 1-2 in the first B-main. Second B-main went to Levi Crow with Colby Beggy finishing second. In the six-lap dash, Kyle Lucon and Tommy Schoenhofer were set the front row by finishing first and second. Lukon jumped into the lead at the start of the 30-lap feature with Schoenhofer second and Zarin third. Lukon quickly began to check out on the field as the battle heated up for second Zarin chopped Schirnhoffer back to third on lap three, and Garrett Paw, who won his first career tour race on July 18th at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, took over third from Schirnhoffer on lap five. When racing resumed after a caution on lap 14th, Alex Faree and 15th starting Jeremy Wonderling moved past Paw for third and fourth, respectively. Faree continued to make his way to the front, driving around Zarin for second on lap 17. Wonderling worked his way up to second, but both Fore and Zarin Able to get past him again as the race wound down, with Lukan still comfortably in front. Lukon would go on to win his second straight Bill Hendren Memorial. After the race, Lukon credited his team and the crew from teammate Levi Spenneweber.
13: The car was awesome. Uh Levi and his guys, they they pitched in to help every little bit they could. Uh it's pretty neat. Uh, last year at the Pittsburgh, Alex and I finished 1-2 in both my cars, and for us to finish 1-2 again, it, it's pretty sweet, and I'm
14: glad I'm on a good end of it.
9: Second-place finisher Alex Faree also credited his crew from the Benz number 60.
14: It was real good. cars. I can't thank the Benz enough. The thing was fast. I just screwed up a few times there and let Cal get way out in front. But uh, once I slowed down and just started driving it right, it actually was pretty good the last four laps. So... I don't think I was running him down, but he was he was extremely good. So I just can't say enough about them, the car they gave me. This thing was a, a really good car tonight.
9: And third-place finisher Logan Zarin remarked on how he's continuing to improve.
14: Yeah, I feel like this year I learned a little bit more
13: than all the other years. I just feel a little better in the car, and then it all comes to you to, after that. So we're doing pretty good this season.
9: The top ten and the first of two Bill Hendren Memorial 30-lap features, Kyle Lucan the winner, Alex Faree second, and Logan Sarin third, Jeremy Wonderling finished fourth, and Levi Spinneweber was fifth. Six through ten went to Josh Ferry, Tommy Schoenhofer Jr., Grant Garrison, Garrett Paw, and Jake Gunn. Also Friday night, a feature race entitled One to Remember, which includes all previous non winners, was won by Levi Spinneweber in the Lucon team car.
15: Oh, I just can't thank Phil and Kyle enough. And, uh, you know, for, <laughs> for even being silly enough to put me in a race car is. Just a, an honor. And to be able to drive for somebody like Phil, uh, you know, that's been racing in the, in the Western PA region for, well, I can tell you exactly, 35 years. I'm 35 years old. He started in 1985. So um, just a true blessing and an honor. And, uh, you know, without these guys, I wouldn't even be here. So I really appreciate them.
9: Following Spino Weber to the checkered flag were Zach Gund, Dan Lepro, Bill Kessler, and Josh Stoika. For the second night of racing for the Rush Crate Late Model Series on Saturday, again it was Lucan setting the fast time, doing it as the last car out for time trials. He would go on to win the first heat race. Tim Schaefer finished second. In the second heat, it was Christian Snyder winning. Levi Crow second. Third heat went to John Mollick, followed up by Daryl Charlier. And the fourth heat went to Logan Zarin. Jeremy Wonderling was second. Mike Kraft won the first B main with Jacob Hawkins second, and the second B main went to Tony Wright. Zach Kane finished second. The front row for the feature would be set by Lukon winning the dash and Daryl Charlier the runner up. And most people were thinking that Lukon would cruise to another $3,100 payday as he took off in the lead at the start of the feature. Wonderling drove under and by Charlier for second a lap two, and by lap five, Lukon and Wonderling began to distance themselves from the field. the battle was on for third between Charlier and Logan Zarin. After a restart, Levi Crow passed Zarin for third and then Jake Gunn got by Zarin for fourth place. As the laps ticked off without another caution, Lukan caught traffic on lap 20. Crow, meanwhile, ran down Wunderling and made the pass for second place on lap 21. And while Lukan struggled in traffic, Crow pulled even and made the pass off the bottom of turn 4 on lap 23. Wonderling and Gunn, though, didn't go away as they both passed Lukon for second and third respectively on lap 25. A bobble by Crow on turn four while coming to take the white flag allowed Wonderling to close in, but he lost traction in turns one and two, which allowed Gunn to move into second place and Crowl to hold on for his first-ever series win. In victory lane, Crowell said a little homework paid off.
3: I watched the the Lucas Oil guys just run the bottom and stick the bottom, and I knew it was rubbered up down there, so I just stood true to it. Started to get a little tight about halfway through, but I saw Lucan going through traffic and everybody else just going through traffic, trying to go around the outside, and I just stuck true to the bottom. Ended up, uh, you know, persevering and coming out there. It was, it was awesome. It was bad fast.
9: And about getting his first series win.
3: Against these guys and this caliber of people, it's just, it's something surreal, but it just shows, you know, for the
12: future and time to come, like, we can do it. We can compete with these guys.
9: Jake Gunn was pleased with his finish.
12: We've been struggling all year to get this new car figured out, so to finish it off uh, with a second place like this, it it means a lot, especially at this event and this venue.
9: And third place finisher Jeremy Wunderling talked about taking his shot for the win on the last lap.
14: He missed it, you know, missed the exit coming out of the corner down there, and I gained a lot of ground on him. And coming down the front stretch, I, you know, I had to make up my mind what to do, and I kind of bonsai in the corner, and I don't race this place enough. And, you know, racing with these guys down here that race here every week, they definitely have a home track advantage on you.
9: The top ten for the second Bill Hendren Memorial, 30-lap feature, Levi Crown the winner, Jake Gunn second, Jeremy Wonderling third, Grant Garrison finished fourth, and Kyle Lucon fell back to fifth. 6th through 10th went to John Mollock, Tommy Schoenhofer Jr., Daryl Charlier, Josh Ferry, and Jacob Hawkins. The final race of the evening, the 10 lap non qualifiers event, won by Cole Patrell in the Lucon team car. He was followed by Chuck Gulley, Colby Beggy, Cassie Kameter, and Jim Racy. I'm Bill Korch, reporting for Rapid On Racing
3: one more race to go before the 2020 season wraps up at pittsburgh's pennsylvania motor speedway that would be saturday october 10th this coming saturday and we have uh, the 410 winged sprint cars from all around the region highlighting the show also the rush sportsman modified and the rush wingless sprint cars the Deal Automotive Rush Dirt Late Models, the Admar Construction Pro Stocks, the Keystone Coachworks Hobby Stocks, Crawford Auto Repair 4 Cylinders, and the Always Safe Young Guns also on the card. A big eight-division show to wrap up the 2020 season at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. Keep up with everything, not only for this coming Saturday night, but everything going on during the off-season by following our social media streams. On Twitter, we are at PA Speedway. On Facebook, it's Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, and as always, Check out everything having to do with PPMS at PPMS.com. Reporting for Rappin' On Racing, I'm Jim Zufall. This portion of today's program was brought to you by
5: number one Cochrane Automotive. Thomas Meat Market is a full-service old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania where they've been for over 50 years. They hand select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Thomas, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Coma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's 724-352-2020.
9: Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact fine. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at
5: And now more Rabbit on Racing with your hosts Don Gamble and Mike Lisakowski.
1: All right, fans, a special guest today with a new title, Mike Lisakowski, the general manager at Lernerville Speedway. That has a nice sound to it, Mike.
7: <laughs> it's, it's, it does have a nice sound to it. Uh, Still too new to have that printed on a business card yet. As uh, October 1st, uh, I assumed that role and, and uh, grateful to have the opportunity to uh, work at a facility that was uh, such a big part of my childhood. I mean, I, uh, I I actually remember distinctly and can intelligently talk about races that I witnessed at Lernerville Speedway uh, from like age four. Uh, and, and, you know, I'd been, you know, carried there by my parents since uh, age one one or two, uh, but I, I, I remember great late model sprint car and modified battles there that I, I vividly remember uh, from the time I was about four years old, and uh, uh, boy, it's it's great to be a part of the team now uh, with an organization that, that meant so much to me as a kid.
1: Well, let's fast forward from when they carried you to the track. To age seventeen, when I first met you at Wixie Radio, uh, apparently uh, Dave Kitty and Larry Mattingly brought you down there. How did that all come to be?
7: Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, that was uh, that, that was a fast moving time in my life. Just being a teenager, uh, I had been offered a position after begging and pleading with Mister Dave Kitty at RPM Magazine at the time. Uh, I was awarded. Uh, the opportunity to be a feature story writer and columnist and photographer for RPM Racing Magazine uh, at age 15. And that that came about kind of late in the season. I think it was about uh, September or October uh, when I was 15 years old. And, and I had some writing skills that I was able to put together sort of a resume and, and catch Mr. Kitty's attention, who I'd never met at that point. Uh, And then the entire racing season, when I was 16 years old, uh, I spent kind of learning what Dave did at RPM and kind of learning layout, and I sold some advertising and continued to write feature stories and and take photos and write columns for Dave. Uh, And so uh, Dave and Larry were in the rotating co-host list of Rappin' on Racing at that time on the AM radio station there in uh, McKeesport, I believe it was, and... uh, and so uh, there, there was a, a touring series coming through the region, and uh, you were looking for some expertise on that touring series. And Dave and Larry said, well, hey, this guy that's been with us at RPM for a, a little while now, he and his family attend those races three or four times a year all over the country. Why don't we bring him in? Uh, and I think you recall that I was uh, maybe a little bit nervous Uh, that day, and uh, I certainly brought some materials to reference in hand in case they
1: were needed. (laughs) Well, what I thought was amusing, you had a stack of binders that was about 10 inches high, and I said, what's that? He said, well, this is my reference material, but now those binders are all in your head, and you can talk (laughs) about races that have happened all over the country all over the different years. How do you remember all that?
7: You know, that that's a great, uh, and, and I, I kind of mentioned this to the Thompson family when we were discussing the possibility of me joining the team. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily have more intelligence or brain power than the average human being, but what I have is a good memory that I think has been uh, enhanced by motivation. Uh, racing means so much to me and brings me so much pleasure and and so many things that that I love about this sport that I am motivated to remember these things. You know, they always talk about a kid in school who uh, maybe can't memorize the times tables, uh, but he can remember every batting average of his favorite baseball team players. Uh, And and that was me growing up. And, And my parents used uh taking me to races as the motivation to perform well in school and i just barely met their requirements so that we could go to <laughs> more races and and so you know when you talk about the memories that i have accumulated and can speak from as a broadcaster when i'm announcing uh you know there were times in my career as a from teenager on up through my 30s and uh, and beyond where i've attended over 140 races every year And what I mentioned to the Thompson family as we were talking about my qualifications to perhaps be a Lernerville general manager, uh, I remember those things, even though I might have been attending the race just as the broadcaster to do the TV or radio broadcast. I've paid attention because of my motivation to understand this sport. I've paid attention to the operations at these racetracks, and I've paid attention to how series are handling things on race day and paid attention to how tracks are handling things on race day. So, uh, you know, when any kind of situation might pop up at Lernerville Speedway, to be the first time that maybe that group of officials or the Thompson family have ever encountered something that's new. Well, in the course of going to 140 races a year for... Twenty-five plus years. There's a good chance that I've seen that rare occurrence somewhere, and maybe I've witnessed a racetrack handle it perfectly, and I can share that information. Or maybe I witnessed a series or a racetrack handle it in a way that turned out to be a disaster, and I can share that experience. So, uh, you know, the, the memories that I carry with me are are now uh, almost uh, a career benefit uh, with uh, taking this post at Lernerville Speedway, and I can remember not only the facts and figures that I've spouted out on wrapping on racing for the last couple of decades, Decades, but uh, you know, I can remember more operational things as well and, and use those experiences to help guide the Lernerville Speedway when needed.
1: Fans, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Mike Lisakowski, the general manager at the Lernerville Speedway. Mike, uh, your photography skills, uh, they're amazing. And I found out <coughs> you were taking pictures for Stuart Doty at the RPM workshops. And I said to Stuart this guy's pretty sharp, why don't you have him do a couple sessions? And it it segwayed into that so let's talk about when you first started doing presentations at the RPM workshops.
7: You know, much like being hired at Lernerville uh, there was a lot of, of emotion in being invited to do so. Uh, I had met Stuart a couple of times uh, before I was invited to the workshops and uh, so I, the first time I attended the workshops, as you mentioned, it was as a photographer, which I started, uh, as I mentioned, started doing that for uh, for Dave Kitty, who was kind enough to let me contribute back at about age 15. Uh, so I was in the room with all the promoters and, and had my ears up and, and learning from all of them. Uh, and, and when Stuart invited me to be a part of the, uh, of the teaching of seminars and, be, and doing presentations there, my immediate first thought, I was so filled with pride because I was very, very young at the time that it happened, but... Don Martin was named Promoter of the Year by the RPM Workshops. I want to say that was 1983. And at that point, I was just barely old enough to read. And, and I remember when National Speed Sport News came with that story and the iconic photo of Don Martin in that checkered shirt was uh, you know all over all the racing magazines and newspapers. And I remember what a big deal that was locally because this was Don Martin being awarded by all of his peers across the United States the title of promoter of the year. So when Stuart Doty invited me to become a part of the workshops with those promoters, one of my first thoughts was, well, I never got to meet Don Martin, really. You know, I was just a, a very, very young fan at the time. But when I remember reading those stories and what a big deal that was, thrusting my favorite home track of Lernerville Speedway into the limelight, now here I am as a part of these workshops. So uh, when Stuart invited me the first time to be a presenter uh... the workshop bylaws read that a presenter can only present once every three years because they want to keep the content rotating and keep different people coming up uh, and so i did my first presentation and there were demands for uh, mem- many of the audience members uh, promoters from all over the country asked me to email the slideshow presentation and ask me if i could do it on a recording for uh, for their staff members that couldn't be there And it was a very popular presentation so they actually rewrote the bylaws of the workshop uh... so that i could present every year which i've done i guess uh, five straight years maybe uh... of presenting in uh, las vegas in indianapolis and in uh... daytona florida so uh... you know the the pride and honor that came with being invited to be a part of that group w- really came from the fact that Learnerville speedway and don martin were honored by that group when i was such an impressionable young race fan so uh... Yeah, that that was uh, quite an honor and uh, happy to do so and uh... Uh, we've got one of those presentations out on YouTube and we're working on getting uh, some of the other year's presentations saved out there as well.
1: I'd like you to talk about the time you uh, had a presentation and about 300 promoters uh, in the room. I apologize, our maintenance guys mowing the lawn right outside my window and I'm sorry, but I can't stop them. Uh, when you asked the group if they were selling racing or real estate, can you elaborate on that
7: <laughs> you know one of the things uh you know from the time i was a young race fan i've uh, uh and and this is you know I, I think many fans know that i have a small printing business as well that we print uh souvenir programs for racetracks and and one of the reasons for that is because i've saved racing programs and schedules and flyers and i consider them souvenirs where a lot of people would probably consider them junk and you know i have you know schedules from Lernerville Speedway going back to when I was a kid with the Champions pictures on them. And and I don't want to part with that stuff. I mean, it's only a sheet of paper. It doesn't take that much to store it. When I became more savvy in public relations and marketing through college and after, one of my big complaints about racing literature is that there seemed to be always an aerial photo of the Speedway. Uh, And while as diehard race fans, we look at that and say, oh, let me show you where I sit. I'll show you my spot in the grandstands. Hey, let me show you my parking spot. Here's where I like to park. Or you know, race teams can look for their own rig in the picture. Uh, when it comes to advertising and marketing, the aerial photo of a racetrack means absolutely nothing and does not sell the product of short track racing. And so I had wanted for years and years before that to gather promoters who would listen to me and say, please stop putting the aerial photo out there. What's going to lure people to come to your racetrack is a photo of side-by-side sprint cars or late models plowing into each other or big block modifieds three wide. You need those kinds of pictures to sell people on the idea of coming to watch this exciting product. And, uh, And and it's true. It it still stands true to this day. And so many promoters have thanked me for that knowledge all across the country. But that was one of my main points in correcting some of the poor marketing that I've seen in motorsports and trying to help tracks to uh, attract more fans. The question becomes, are you selling real estate? Do you want real estate agents to pick your brochure up out of the brochure rack, or do you want sports and entertainment-starved families and nine-year-olds to grab the flyer and say, Daddy, look at these race cars. Let's go see this. And so uh, the sort of the overall topic of that first presentation I did was uh, think about your marketing and approach the audience that hasn't been to the races. Because while those diehard fans might want to see where their rig is parked and where their seat is in the grandstand, those people are already coming to the races. Let's use the photos that make people who've never been to a race want to take that brochure and want to show up at the racetrack so that was one of the points that uh, I got a lot of compliments on and, and continue to get positive feedback from promoters across the
1: country and the 300 plus promoters in the room you could have heard a pin drop they were so focused on your presentation I want you to hold that thought we're coming up on a commercial break we're talking to Michael Sikowski, the general manager at Lernerville Speedway and we'll be right back
5: This portion of today's program
3: is brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway would like to thank all of our marketing partners who've helped make the 2020 season a huge success. Deal Automotive, Admar Construction Equipment, Keystone Coachworks, Crawford Auto Repair, Always Safe Traffic Control, Calusi Chevrolet, RockAuto.com, Mastro Ice, RacingJunk.com, Miley Truck Rental, Falcone's Moon Township Automotive, K&N Filters, Yingling, Octane Graphics, Precise Racing Products, Allegheny West Magazine, Zarin Truck and Automotive, Basel Race Fuels, Coca-Cola, and Summit Racing Equipment. PPMS would also like to congratulate our 2020 division champions. In the late models, Ben Police. In the pro stocks, Dave McManus. In the hobby stocks, Stephen Sheltman. In the four cylinders, Philip Bubeck. And in the young guns, Noah Bubeck. Be sure to check out ppms.com during the entire off-season and get all the information you need about the 2021 season at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway.
9: Number one Cochrane Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in western Pennsylvania automotive sales and service. Today, number one Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelienople. Number One Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers, unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts Number One Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships, representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochran when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on number one Cochran sales and service, go to Cochran.com. And now, more Rapid On Racing with your hosts, Don Gamble
5: and Mike Lusikowski.
1: Fans, we're back. We're talking to Mike Lissakoski, the general manager at the Learnerville Speedway. At one of these workshops, you actually uh, met the Thompson family. Let's talk about how that came to be.
7: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that, and I, I believe at that point, the, uh, the Las Vegas version of the promoter's workshop had moved to Reno, which is now the, uh, the current location. Uh, and I want to say it was the first year that we were in Reno and I had heard the news that Lernerville Speedway had been sold, and I had never heard of the Thompson family. I'd, I'd never visited any of their other businesses. And, I'm, you know, I live about 40 minutes from that area. So I had never met them in person. And uh, as I grabbed a seat kind of at the back of the room, because I was going to be taking some photos as well as presenting, I had to set up all my camera stuff at the back of the room. Uh, a few fellas came in, and, uh, and I saw Lernerville logo on the, on the polo shirt. Uh, So I quickly introduced myself, and they said, well, what are you you doing here? And I said, I'm one of the presenters, and the Thompson brothers all sat down right beside me there, and and I got to spend uh, more than a couple of days sitting next to them and and hanging out with them, getting to know them. We went to, uh, I think we went and got lunch all together one day, so I had a chance to meet the the entire Thompson family as a result of those workshops, and uh, uh, that was the first interaction that I would ever had with them, and we got to have a really good time out there in Reno. There was uh, uh, good food and uh, a couple of beverages involved and uh so they got to attend one of my presentations and and meet several of the other promoters from across the country and uh so that, that really was the the first opportunity that i had to meet them and then of course in the in in a calendar year of any racing season i tend to end up behind the microphone at lernerville at least two or three times from the various sanctioning bodies and touring series that pass through that uh that hire my services to go there so uh before I had a chance to actually attend a race under the Thompson uh, ownership, I did get to uh, to break bread with the Thompson family. So again, uh, uh, the the promoters' workshops being uh, very favorable for that reason, and, and that's what a lot of the the track owners across the country will attend. It's not so much the uh, the windbags like me that go up to the to the podium and teach things, but you get to meet the other people from around the United States who are in the same line of work and, and who have the same challenges and responsibilities. and You get to talk about all those things when the sessions are on break and, and going to lunch with people uh, that you get to meet for the first time. So I was uh, grateful for that opportunity, and uh, that was sort of the first step in uh, where we arrived on October 1st with becoming the general manager at Lernerville.
1: Well, I remember when Don Martin first took a group of us down there for the workshops, and I probably went, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Uh, I remember thinking about it, and I call them the carpet walkers. What you would learn in the hallway or in the lobby or at lunch sometimes was as valuable or more valuable than what was in the sessions because you're talking one-on-one with some of the best promoters in the country.
7: That's exactly true, and and uh, you know when you have a very specific need or problem at your racetrack, and you might think, well, geez, I'm the only person that's that's ever encountered this. I, I can guarantee, with the thousands of speedways across the country, some other promoter has faced that same challenge. And uh, again, by sharing the feedback of, well, I tried this and it didn't work, and I tried this and it was very successful, and and, and just to share those kinds of things. Uh, you know, again, with all the races that I've seen in my lifetime, uh, I, I've witnessed a lot of things go right. I've witnessed a lot of things go wrong. And not only can I share that at the promoter's workshop, but now I have an opportunity to share that uh, for the benefit of Lernerville Speedway as well. And, and, and really, really looking forward to, to doing those sorts of things that I've talked about for years at the promoter's workshops. And, and, and the one thing, uh, you know, with the Lernerville extended schedule in 2020 as a result of the uh, COVID postponements at the beginning of the season... Uh, selfishly, it's been fantastic for me because I wouldn't normally, having taken this position on October 1st, have an opportunity to see the operation as it would exist on a typical Friday. You know, in any other season and the way the schedule was laid out for 2020 initially, I would have started October 1st and had only the Steel City Stampede. Uh, to be a part of the team. And that's a really odd event, three days long, and staff coming in from the World Racing Group. and you know that, that's, that's not a typical race by any stretch of the imagination with 14 divisions in action. Uh, so thanks to the COVID postponements early in the season, uh, I've had the chance to be a part of a World of Outlaws special event. I've had the opportunity to be a part of uh, Friday night racing that is the Fab Four standard presentation and see the kind of routine operations that go on at Learnerville and be submerged in it. Otherwise, I would have had to wait until the 2021 season to really see how a a standard Friday night race works at Larnerville. So uh, the extended schedule experiment for 2020 has been very beneficial
1: from my eyes. I remember telling John Thompson about the RPM workshops, and I said... You will be happy you went there. I think now he's even happier than he may have anticipated since you did have time to sit down with the brothers and talk about all these things. They saw you in action at the workshop. They probably didn't anticipate you being the general manager until uh, Tim Thompson left this season. But I'm, I'm positive that they're happy. Now, with this new uh, position... Uh, it's going to affect some of your travel. Uh, fans, if you're just talking to us, or you're just listening to us, or talking to Michael Sikowski, the general manager at the Lernerville Speedway, in past years, you would be off doing 140 races a year. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen anymore.
7: <laughs> that's true. And, and uh, you know, I, as I... As I age, it, the the travel has become less appealing. You know, back in the days when I did my on-the-road reports for, for Rappin' on Racing and I was, you know, in my 20s, man, it was great fun to go to Eldora one night and, you know, go to Kentucky the next night and Indiana the next night. And, and uh, you know, the, with, with taking the position at Jennerstown Speedway uh, back in 2017, that was the first step towards slowing down the travel, which I certainly desired to do. Uh, and I was so happy to be a part. You know, Jennerstown Speedway was my, my Saturday night home all through my teenage years, uh, in the same way that Lernerville was my Friday night home from age two on up to, uh, geez, I can't even remember. But, uh, you know, the the travel was exciting. To, to be a part of national series events and be broadcasting on TV and, and radio and, and traveling all over the country for these major events, uh, that was great for the first fifteen years or so, but uh, you know, as, as I get older, the idea of sleeping in my own bed and being with my own dog uh, hold a little more value, and the idea of driving all night long becomes almost unsafe at a particular age, as opposed to the uh, you know the twenty two year old me that uh, could do that without even a sip of coffee. So. Um, you know, the Jennerstown job was a great step in the right direction. Although nearly three hours from home was Jennerstown, uh, you know, to to not be traveling on Saturday nights uh, made life a lot easier. And and Don, I, I know you're you're actually much more experienced at being old than I am. So maybe Easy. I'm not telling you anything <laughs> that's new here. But the idea yeah. of traveling so much during the course of eight, nine months of the racing season uh, gets to be tiring and, and gets to, uh, it starts to be kind of a drag as I've gotten older. So, you know, the opportunity to stay close to home has been a goal. Uh, and now with Lernerville Speedway being about 40 minutes from home, I, I couldn't be happier to, to uh, restrict the travel and, and, like I said, sleep in my own bed and, and be with my dog a whole lot more. It's going to be a fantastic 2021 season without logging all the miles.
1: I want to talk about when you went to Motordrome uh, to announce. Uh, the, here's the scenario I was the on track announcer at Larnerville, and my commitments at Indiana University of Pennsylvania was going to impact that. So it meant that Dal Carnahan was going to trans. Uh, transfer from Motordrome to Lernerville, and Judy Gower, uh, Judy Gower Brutt, uh, called me and said, we need an announcer. Who would you recommend? I said, I got just the guy. Pick the story up from there.
7: <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, That it was the first time that I'd ever had a home track. You know, at that point, I was doing over 100 races a year from, you know, Florida to Illinois to Wisconsin to New York and and uh, I, you know, I was doing a tremendous amount of travel, but loving it at that point, because this is back about 2006, I want to say, uh, and uh, 2006, Mike said, hey, you know what, Mike, you need to stay home just one night a week and give this a try, so after never having a home track, uh, I signed on at Motor Drome Speedway under Red Miley, uh, and, and I really enjoyed this fact that, You know, I knew my schedule no matter what was going on. I knew Friday I was only going to have to drive about two hours from home and be at the same exact place every... I I never had a desk where I could put my own pen and my own binoculars. You know, I I show up at these racetracks as the touring series announcer or as the television broadcaster, and I don't have my own chair. I don't have my own place. Uh, You know, it, it was visiting all these different speedways. I got to be so comfortable with the idea of having a home track at MotorDrome uh, that those, uh, I guess, it was about nine years that I was there through uh, three different managements and, and really enjoyed taking on a larger role there with Stan Lasky, where I was handling all of the uh, media relations and some of the marketing and some of the sponsorship things. And, and uh, it, you know, being becoming a bigger part of things at Motor Drum Speedway was fantastic because it showed me how nice it can be to work close to home at least one night a week and to have a home track. Uh, And it was was a couple hours away, but one of the things that I found right away that detracted from the idea of being at Motor Drone Speedway is that they raced on Friday nights at that point, and I had to miss everything at Lernerville Speedway. And, you know, there would be occasions during the course of any given year when I didn't have a race scheduled for a Friday and I would show my press card and go to Lernerville to hang out there and take photos and, and cover the racing at Lernerville for RPM or Raceway Magazine or Trackside Magazine, all the, uh, all the different publications that I was uh, fortunate enough to be a contributor with at that point. So. The only thing I could say that was a negative about going to Motor drone for those nine years was that, uh, it conflicted where I couldn't go to see any of the good stuff at Lernerville Speedway. But uh, as I said, it, it taught me the value of having a home track and, and showing me that life on the road doesn't, shouldn't last forever. And, and thankfully now I get to be, uh, much, much closer to home with the, the ultimate home track in 2021.
1: Fans, we're going to take another break. Uh, we're talking to Michael Sikowski from the Lernerville Speedway, and we'll be back after these messages.
5: This portion of today's program was brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. Thomas Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of Western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over fifty years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Thomas, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Thomas Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's 724-352-2020.
9: Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact fine. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com.
6: And now, more Rapid
5: on Racing with your hosts, Don Gamble and Mike Lysikowski.
1: All right, fans, we're back. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Mike Lysikowski, the general manager at the Lernerville Speedway. Mike, your company, um, Motorsports Aspects, does all these uh, printing booklets, but I think early on with this company, you did the Oval Track Annual, and there are people that still talk about it. What year did you do that?
7: Uh, The Oval Track Annuals began uh, when I was 17 years old. Uh, We did uh, five editions of that. Uh, We're talking about the uh, 1997-98-99 time frame there, and uh, it it was an idea that Uh, When I was very, very young, uh, I had collected baseball cards, and there was an annual magazine that came out in the baseball world called the Street and Smith's Baseball Annual. And I bought that magazine every year because I wanted to learn who all the rookie prospects were because those are the, the players whose rookie cards would be very valuable that season. So uh, even though I collected baseball cards and played baseball for many years, never liked watching it on TV, never really liked going to the games or listening to it on the radio, uh, and, and I, every year I would say, man, I wish... There were auto racing trading cards because when I was that age, those things didn't exist. And I would say, man, I wish there was an annual magazine for racing like there is for baseball. And after I got to learn the Dave Kitty RPM magazine operation, I I started my own magazine and I created the racing version of the baseball yearbook that I'd purchased at the beginning of every baseball season. And and I, I can't. It was so shockingly successful. Uh, right away. And, and so there I am as a 17 year old high school kid and eventually as a college kid, uh, we had salespeople and employees all over that were, uh, you know, taking the book directly to Speedways. We had those books available in convenience stores and bookstores. Uh, the, the Oval Track annual was on sale in 13 different states and covered the short-track racing action from all 13 of those states. So uh, there's probably over 100 and some racetracks that uh, the the publication was on sale and and covered. Uh, And it was... I, I, I'm shocked at how quickly it caught on. Apparently, others were seeking the same thing that I was in a in a yearbook type publication, and that was so much fun to produce and met so many great people doing that publication. And then, uh, as the internet came along and, and grew and grew, the uh, the need for that sort of a publication kind of went away. But uh, yeah, they're they're collectors' items for sure. Occasionally, somebody sends me an email that uh, one of those books is for sale on eBay for like twenty or thirty bucks, and so uh, it, uh, it it certainly made a mark. And, and almost every Everywhere I go, people still say, oh, "What about those yellow-covered books you used to do?" And and maybe someday the time will be right to uh, to start that back up again. But uh, you know, to to be a teenager and have a successful business in the sport that I love so much uh, was was. One of the ultimate blessings of my life, and I'd, I'd put that right up there with the, the same kind of blessing of, uh, of, of having a post now at Lernerville Speedway. You know, uh, I would get to Lernerville Speedway with the Oval Track annuals in hand to help Chuck Bollinger sell those things a couple of times at the beginning of each season. And, and at that time, you know, I'd, I'd look at my press card and say, man, I can't believe I was begging my parents all those years to take me to Lernerville every Friday. And now I have the Lernerville press card, because I, I'm the editor of the Oval Track Annual, and I can walk in this track any race I want to. And now, here we are, October 1st of 2020, and I get handed a key to unlock the door at Lernerville Speedway. It's, uh, it's absolutely a dream come true.
1: Well, I have an interesting Oval Track Annual story for you. A uh, local company uh, nearby, I'm going to buy a motorhome, and I'm talking to the salesman, and he's, kind of playing hardball on the price and i'm si- i'm sitting at his desk and i see a copy of the oval track annual and i said that's a pretty nice book uh do you uh do you enjoy it he said i have every issue i said well the guy that printed that is on my radio show he's what are you talking about so i filled in who you were and I got a heck of a deal on a motorhome. So he went from hardball to good buddy when he found out that you and I knew each other. Something that uh, is going to be a question for a lot of fans. Okay. Uh, Friday night, you're going to be at Learnerville. You're still involved uh, in some capacity at Jennerstown and also Tri City. How is this schedule or scenario going to work? <laughs>
7: Yeah, we'll definitely have to make some adjustments there uh, for the 2021 season for sure. Uh, You know, here in October, I have uh, lots of commitments to continue to fill out... uh uh, you know, there were, there were things that I signed on to do long before any conversations uh, began with Learnerville Speedway. So uh, through the end of the 2020 season here, I'll still be pulled in a couple of different directions. But uh, once we get uh, through uh, the, the racing season here in October, uh, Lernerville becomes absolutely priority number one. And, and so it'll be a little different looking schedule for me certainly in 2021 once the race season gets here. But, uh, you know, for for the immediate, you know, we're here at the office uh, at Lernerville Speedway, you know, Monday through Friday. Friday, and 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 I said that on the Learnerville podcast as well. And and the reason I want to mention that is because as I've traveled the country for so long, it's shocking how many speedways don't have someone to answer the phone during business hours, don't have anyone staffed at the office, don't have a uh, you know an, an off season. Uh, presence with their office and and Learnerville Speedway wisely as as, uh, as as most of the of the business fundamentally soundtracks do uh, you know the office staff is there you know the maintenance guys are there getting things ready for 2021 as we speak uh, you know getting things ready immediately of course for the uh, for the Stampede event but you know all winter long we will be there and, and 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 you know so to say hey I'm going to be hanging out at the office uh, during business hours Monday through Friday I mean that that's a you know that would be a a general expectation of any job, you would think. But I want to say that out loud because of how many... Speedways don't offer that to their race fans. You know, if, if you want to get somebody a gift certificate to the merchandise shop or get somebody a season ticket for a Christmas gift, oftentimes you can't reach anybody at certain Speedways uh, to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, Lernerville being one of the wise ones to, uh, uh, to staff year-round, and uh, so immediately here we'll be full-time at the Lernerville Speedway office uh, as we are now, and, 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 and those are just some of the great ideas that Lernerville Speedway has stuck to through, you know, through all the management teams that have been there. You know I'm so excited to work for the Thompsons because uh, they're there for the right reasons. They want this thing to continue. They want Lernerville Speedway to thrive and grow. Uh, and, and so the staffing is obviously a big part of that. And uh, we're going to be there uh, during all the business hours through the offseason like any good racetrack should.
1: In closing, you mentioned the Stampede. Now, I'm not concerned about all the support divisions. I'd just like to focus on the World of Outlaws part of the Stampede. Some of your thoughts, what's coming?
7: Yeah, the, uh, the World Racing Group, and, and of course that's the overall umbrella of the World of Outlaws, sprint cars and late models, uh, there are so many sanctions under that umbrella of World Racing Group, and that includes UMP dirt car. Uh, and so, as the stampede uh, with you know 14 divisions in action, that's a lot for any racetrack staff to handle. Uh, thankfully, the uh, the Rush Tour with Vicky and Mike and uh, their whole staff uh, uh, will be handling the uh, the Rush divisions of racing there because there's uh, big dollars on the line for their late models, sprints, and sportsman modifieds. Uh, but the uh, the World Racing Group and UMP. Uh, actually, sanction and govern the late model racing. Uh, of course, the uh, Super Dirt Car Series, Big Block Modifieds, are under the World Racing Group umbrella as well. So, Dirt Car will uh, sanction those as well. So, uh, the the top divisions are going to be under the watchful eye of the Charlotte-based World Racing Group, and and that helps our Lernerville staff uh, as well. You know, with with uh, you know Fab Four racing on Friday nights, hey, nobody puts on a better show than the Lernerville Speedway staff. But when you got fourteen divisions. Uh, uh, competing owner in a practice night and then two full days of racing, uh, certainly the assistance from the World Racing Group is, is going to be appreciated. So uh, late model sprints, modifieds, uh, those divisions, uh, the, the UMP staff, uh, uh, Sam and all of his team from North Carolina will be there at the Speedway. Rick Eshelman will be there because uh, boy, I would hate to meet the one single announcer who can keep his voice together for 14 divisions of racing. So there's going to be some World of Outlaws flavor there with uh, Rick's voice uh, coming through the speakers as it does for the world of outlaws late models but yes the ump dirt car uh, officially officiating team will be on site to assist with the stampede because that is a heck of a lot of racing action uh, for two days of scored events plus the practice
1: You mentioned the World of Outlaw Late Models, and Tyler Bachman is the fellow in charge of that. And a funny story, I don't know if he ever told you, but when he was about 10 years old, maybe 11 years old, we were doing a pre-race show from Lernerville, and he said, can I be on the show? And I had to get special permission to let him come in and go up into the booth. Uh, But he did a really nice job. Had no idea that many years later he'd be the director of one of the series. And he does a nice job.
7: A terrific job. Uh, we've uh, we've had a couple of conference calls uh, with him uh, leading up to the Stampede. He will be there, and actually last year uh, I attended the, the Stampede. I think for at least two of the three days there, uh, and he and I got to have a long chat in the pits. Uh, he had uh, attended the promoters' workshops as well and was asking me a couple things about my presentations there, and and I was talking to him about the uh, kind of the scope <laughs> of dirt late model racing across the country and some you know changes and things that might be on the horizon. So yeah, they, you know, going Going back a year ago, he and I spent a long time uh, just chewing the fat and solving all of racing's problems in an informal discussion there in the pits at the Stampede, and uh, now get a chance to work uh, side-by-side with them here coming up uh, for the big event three days long.
1: You know, Lernerville Speedway is very close to Butler, and the fact that you uh, have uh, long-term relationships with the Butler Chamber of Commerce has to be a plus.
7: Yeah, that's one of the things I'm looking most forward to. You know, the, uh, uh, the, the, one of the themes of several of my presentations at the workshops is, uh, you know, how do we get people to attend their first race? What kind of marketing and advertising and public relations things can appeal to the people who don't speak our language, who are kind of outside the sport and, and have never taken the time or the effort to try out buying a ticket to a short track race? Uh, many of the people that I know in Butler County, as a result of all my involvement in the Chamber of Commerce and, and other organizations there, the Butler Young Professionals and things, uh, many of those people are aware that I've made a living in racing, but they still maybe don't understand exactly what I do or have never attended a race. Uh, and now that I will get to wear a Lernerville logo on the polo shirt for those events and, and get to use uh, you know some of the time at those things that I've been volunteering to do for years anyway to talk about the Lernerville Speedway and explain to these people, this is fantastic family entertainment. This is an affordable way to market your business to people from Butler County and far beyond. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that opportunity, you know, to, to introduce... Short track racing, which is a product that has meant the world to me throughout my life uh to take my passion for that and try to translate that to people who may have never tried it before is something that I'm really really looking forward to because there's so many businesses in Butler County who aren't aware of the way that they can be involved at the Lernerville Speedway and reach new customers and so many people in Butler County who are looking for things to do on a Friday night that don't think of Lernerville Speedway because it's a couple miles out of town uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing with all of my contacts in that area how enjoyable it can be uh, to attend a race. And if they have young ones, it could be uh, life changing, as it was for me and, and so many other uh, young folks to attend their first race at an early age. I mean, uh, you know, what could appeal to kids more than bright, colorful, loud cars, throwing dirt out the back, sliding through turns? Uh, it won me over. And I think it can do the same for a whole bunch of people in Butler County who haven't attended a race at Lernerville Speedway in their lives or in the last 20 or 30 years. I'm I'm eager to see if those people can come out and get bitten by the same bug that I was bitten with very early in life.
1: I am so proud of this 17-year-old kid I met three decades ago and became became very close friends with, and we worked together on so many things. I want to congratulate you on your appointment as general manager of probably the best dirt track in the United States. It's got to make you feel pretty special
7: it's uh, it's a terrific feeling, and and uh, best of all, I get to turn to my parents, who were probably so annoyed with all of my strategic ploys to convince them to take me to <laughs> Lernerville Speedway time and time again from age three to age fifteen until I could drive there myself as a teenager and, and now I get to look at them and say, Now you see that wasn't that wasn't caving in to your only child's request. That was career training. That's what that was. <laughs> Taking me to Lerner phil Speedway after all those good <laughs> report cards. That was just career training. So thanks, mom and dad.
1: <laughs> and thank you for an excellent report. Uh look forward to seeing you up at the track. You have a very nice evening.
7: Thank you very much, Don, and thanks for all that you've done for my career as we talk about it here. uh, uh, It it wouldn't be the same without Don Gamble and all the opportunities that you've afforded me through the years. So uh, uh, thanks for having me on the show, and we'll see you at Learnerville Speedway. Thank you. This portion of Wrappin' on Racing is brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, Jennerstown.org.
9: Number one Cochrane Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in Western Pennsylvania automotive sales and service. Today, number one Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelenopouls. Number One Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts Number One Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships, representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission? Treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochran when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on number one Cochran sales and service, go to Cochran.com. Jennerstown
4: Speedway would like to thank the marketing partners that made the 2020 racing season a memorable one. Martella's Pharmacies, Stoystown Auto Wreckers, Ron's Collision Center and Auto Sales, Farmers Union Co-op, Somerset Trust Company stoney's premium and stoney's light beer kenny ross chevrolet and all the sponsors of the 2020 racing season congratulations to the jennerstown speedway champions late model champion albert francis modified champion anthony aiello street stock champion casey Flegel, charger champion dale kimberly four-cylinder champion jeff Vassos. And a special thank you to all the race fans who made the 2020 racing season at the Jennerstown Speedway Complex a successful one. We'll see you in 2021.
13: It happened on the strip where the road is wide. Two cool shorts standing side by side. Yeah, my fuel injected Stingray and a 413 We're revving up their engines and it sounds... at an even rate At the count of one we both accelerate My scenery is like the slicks are starting to spin But the fourth or third
9: And now back to more Rapid On Racing with Don Gamble and Tom Lang.
1: Fans, I'm ready to talk drag racing with Tom Lang. Tom, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Don. It's
11: a pleasure to join you as always.
1: Thank you. Hey, so you took a little trip down memory lane this weekend at Keystone. In more ways than one. How was the latest edition of the PID reunion?
11: The GIS Automotive PID Keystone Nostalgia Nationals is my favorite drag racing event of any season. And I must admit, part of my affinity for this race is the fact that I started it back in 1997. 1997. That was a long time ago.
6: <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs>
11: The event has come a long way since then under the guidance of Greg Miller at Keystone Raceway Park, along with Bill Truby, Jim Sankwist, and a host of other volunteers. It really took off after GIS Automotive came on board as the event sponsor. If you attend the World of Wheels Car Show at the Convention Center, you should be familiar with the great custom cars that Mark Kissinger and his staff at GIS turn out and uh, their involvement has allowed the event to grow leaps and bounds. We only had three classes of competition at the first PID reunion in 1997. Now there are seven classes of competition, plus three classes of exhibition cars, which include the Southern Slingshots Front Engine Dragsters, the Mid-American Nostalgia Funny Car Circuit, and the Scots Rods Gassers. Plus there's a car show, there's Bill Truby's photo display and memorabilia from the early days of drag racing in this area. So much going on, uh, so much to see on the track, in the pits. Old friends to reconnect with, new friends to be made. I saw our buddy Bill Tovlin, a.k.a. Mr. Smooth. Uh, he didn't have his car there, but he did make a personal appearance. A couple interesting notes from the on-track action in the Harry Sheehan Memorial Superstock race it was a family affair as jeff ross squared off with his son zach in the final round with zach taking the measure of his father for the win and in the nostalgia no box portion of the race tom mcdonald took the win after that final one of the track officials turned to me and said he had never seen mcdonald win a race and i know that guy's been there over 20 years uh, McDonald's wife walked over to track operator Greg Miller to give him a hug, and she was literally in tears over Tim's win. Uh, moments like that are so special, and this race always seems to produce those moments.
1: Did you have any idea 23 years ago when you started this that it would have this uh, lifespan and get this successful?
11: Uh, No. Uh, I had no idea, especially what it is now with two days and all these different categories there. And uh, the, the one thing that's always made it work is the fact that people have such a love for the old days at PID and the old days at Keystone. And not very far different from uh, the nostalgia night you put on up at Lernerville every year. Uh, people really look forward to stuff like this.
1: I understand you had a flashback moment that also took you down memory lane.
11: Yeah, Don. Uh, I was helping Greg Miller by handling the Harry Sheehan Memorial Race for him. So I was hanging out in the staging lanes waiting for the call for that class, and a young man on the other side of the fence called out to me and said hello. I didn't have a clue who this guy was. <laughs> I even looked around to see if there was somebody standing behind me that he might be talking to. When I realized he was talking to me, I walked over to him and found out his name was Brent Bubash, and that he remembered me from the Open Throttle 360 TV show we did several years ago. The last episode of that show aired in 2014, and frankly, I think I look a lot older now than I did then, but it was cool to hear from somebody who appreciated what we did and that he misses the show, so... Brent proceeded to tell me about an event that he had put on at Keystone the last couple years called Grudgement Day, which you can tell by the titles, a big-time grudge race event. He wasn't sure if it was going to happen this year or not due to the lack of committed sponsors for this year, and while he filled me in on the details as they stood at that moment, he told me this was all on the QT, as things had not been firmed up to the point he was ready to make an announcement. Well, things must have happened real fast as three days later, Greg Miller and Keystone announced that grudgement day was indeed going to happen Saturday, October 10th, and it was bigger than Brent could have hoped for as the track was able to book in some of the stars of the Discovery Channel TV show Street Outlaws to make an appearance. Uh, Jeff Lutz, who's a hometown guy, along with Monza and Dominator, will be at Keystone for grudgement day, Uh, Gates open 11 a.m., racing runs from noon to 7, and the Street Outlaws cars will be on track at 2.30 and 5.30 p.m., and there will be lanes for local drivers to make time runs or to grudge race their friends or foes. Uh, This is just one of so many events that happen at local racetracks that begin with racers wanting to get involved and make something happen. It's good for the racers, and it's good for the tracks.
1: Well, when these Street Outlaws uh, stars make an appearance at a local track, is there an opportunity for the local racers to challenge them to a race? Well,
11: funny you should ask that, Don, because uh, last year we had Jeff Lutz on the High Octane Race Talk Show to promote appearances at Keystone, Quaker City, and Empire. And my partner, Jim Pollack, asked Jeff that very question. And the answer was an emphatic no. Uh, one of the biggest dangers in drag racing is that your opponent would lose control of their car and take you out in a crash. When you're on a when you're a very well known racer like the guys from Street Outlaws and people see you on TV every week, well, sometimes people get the idea that they can take you. Uh, Jeff told us he wrecks enough of his own stuff and that he isn't comfortable racing someone he doesn't know and can't be confident that racer is capable of handling a fast car. So you won't see Jeff taking on any challengers at Keystone on Saturday. But I can not tell you, Jeff's a very good guy, great guy to talk to and hang out with, uh, always willing to sign autographs and uh, talk to his fans.
1: Well, you know, I've seen similar situations in circle track where, uh, you know, Joe back at a pack uh, goes out in a race and he wants to take, uh, he, he's going to beat the top gun at the track, and that doesn't always end well.
11: I remember having a conversation with uh, the, the oh Scott Bloomquist. Uh, we interviewed him for Open Throttle 360, and I'd asked him about that very thing, and he said uh, quite often when you're a guy with that kind of stature, somebody goes above and beyond trying to to show they're better than you, and as you said, it doesn't always work out too well.
1: <laughs> well, I wish I could have went, but. Uh... As I've mentioned, Dawn has a broken ankle, and I'm her nurse. But three of my neighbors here from the campground went up. Matter of fact, they camped over, and they're diehard uh, drag racers, and they really had a good time. I got tired of hearing about how nice it was and the fact that I couldn't be there.
11: (laughs) Yeah, it's a shame you couldn't uh, make it because uh, from time to time, you know, with racing events, weather has a negative impact, and it was just so nice, uh, the weather. And it was great getting to hang out with all the racers and telling stories. And some of them were true.
1: I like Not that. a whole lot. But, uh, <laughs> well, uh, have we covered it, everything? Do you, anything you yes, need to that's add? it for this week, Don. Well, Tom, I thank you. You have a nice evening.
11: Uh, you do the same.
7: Thanks, Don. This portion of Rapping on Racing was brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex. Jennerstown.org.
5: Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. They're stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Thomas Meat Market, located at 748 Dinner Bell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's
3: 724-352-2020. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway would like to thank all of our marketing partners who've helped make the 2020 season a huge success. Deal Automotive, Admar Construction Equipment, Keystone Coachworks, Crawford Auto Repair, Always Safe Traffic Control, Calusi Chevrolet, RockAuto.com, Mastro Ice, RacingJunk.com, Miley Truck Rental, Falcone's Moon Township Automotive, K&N Filters, Yingling, Octane Graphics, Precise Racing Products, Allegheny West Magazine, Zarin Truck and Automotive, Basel Race Fuels, Coca-Cola, and Summit Racing Equipment. PPMS would also like to congratulate our 2020 division champions. In the late models, Ben Police. In the pro stocks, Dave McManus. In the hobby stocks, Stephen Sheltman. In the four cylinders, Philip Bubeck. And in the young guns, Noah Bubeck. Be sure to check out PPMS.com during the entire off-season and get all the information you need about the 2021 season at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. Thomas Meat Market is a
5: full-service old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania where they've been for over 50 years. They hand select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Thomas, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Thomas meat market located at 748 dinner bell road in saxonburg pa for additional information please give them a call at 724-352-2020 that's
9: 724-352-2020 and now more rapid on racing with don gamble and dave oliveri Listeners, we're at Pennsylvania
10: Motor Speedway on day number two of the Pittsburgh 100, and joining me is Rick Eckert. Rick's grandson was involved in an accident a, a few weeks or about a month ago uh, where he got burned. And through Facebook, and everybody's been outpouring to Rick and the family on just how his grandson is. And so we just want to take a moment. I'm here with the pits with Rick, and Rick's going to update us on the condition of him.
12: Well, he, he was just at the hospital Thursday. He goes every two weeks back to the hospital. Uh, Thursday, he still has three trouble spots that are not growing skin like like they would like. So this week, they put him on a steroid treatment for three days and off for two and back on for three. And and they're hoping that that makes some progress before the next two weeks. Uh, you know, so it's just like two weeks. Every two weeks, we learn a little more. You know, so... That's that's all we got right now and one thing that's great about being a five-year-old I mean through all the this
10: anxiety and the trouble that, and the pain that he's been through being five years old he seems to
12: bounce back and he's pretty resilient in some of the photos that I've seen yeah he, he I'll give the kid one thing he never ever complains about the pain uh, he is he's a little more quiet than he ever was uh, so I think he might be hides a little bit of 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 the trauma part of it you know so hopefully we can work through that you know and and maybe once he gets all the bandages off maybe he might open up a little bit hopefully just and you haven't been
10: racing it's great to see you here and get out i guess sometimes it's probably good medicine to be in
12: something that you love but yet i'm sure you know your daughter and your family will be watching back in york yeah it's always great to come here to the pittsburgh too uh it's only four four hours from home and it's uh It's always a good race, so we're glad to be here. Well, we wish the best
10: of luck tonight and and continued healing for your grandson. Thank you.
0: too much to believe you know he always got an extra pack of cigarettes rolled up in his t-shirt sleeve he got a tattoo on his arm i baby he got another one that just say hey whatever sunday afternoon he is a dirt track demon in a fifth chevrolet
16: jim zufall talked about a nice shiny check <laughs> nice one 3100 bucks congratulations my friend this worked out pretty well for you tonight what do you think yeah yeah uh, the racetrack was awesome uh
13: actually come in from the dash my dad's like i think you screwed up because up until then it seemed like it was a pretty top dominant racetrack and i got by tommy on the bottom i was a little bit worried that maybe he'd get a jump on me in a start but uh the, the car was awesome uh levi and his guys they they pitched in to help every little bit they could uh was awesome to hear he he ran pretty decent for only being a second time ever in a crate car and only fourth time in a big car altogether so uh it's pretty neat uh last year at pittsburgh alex and i finished one two in both my cars and for us to finish one two again it's pretty sweet and i'm glad i'm on a good end of it
16: what's it mean to win this Hendrick memorial
13: <sighs> i mean it's important it's it's pretty incredible i mean uh in the last two years almost every race i won has been a Memorial race, and. And all these people, I mean, they were the pioneers of what we're doing now. And uh, just to be able to have names like the, the Red Miley Memorial, the Hendren Memorial twice now, uh, the Joke George Memorial, and all, all these other big races, they just, it means so much because without those people, uh, a lot of this wouldn't be possible.
16: Who would you like to thank for your run?
13: Uh, first and foremost, my dad. Without him, none of it's possible. Uh, mark and steve at rocket chassis i mean they build an awesome piece uh brad hibbard he uh helped us out with some stuff this week we went and tested up at lernerville and he gave us a couple things to try and and this thing was on point all night uh true form racing products Justin chance he he does an awesome job uh keeping the car look nice until i usually tear it up and uh and and everything he does for us um and the big thing is uh this morning, uh, a rash decision, but proposed to my girlfriend, Shaylin, Lynn, and, and she said yes, so I'm going to blame it on her tonight.
16: There you go. Congratulations. Engaged and winning on the same night. Thank you. I won't tell you I'm a divorce lawyer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, congratulations. Look at this beautiful... Miss Dillon's coming in here with this beautiful trophy. What do you think of that nice etched plaque?
13: That's awesome. I got one of those uh, last year, and, and I got one of the heat race ones before, so... It's always nice to get these. They they bring awesome stuff for us every year and everything they do for the crate racing community and the racing community in general. So just want to say a big thank you to all them and everybody else.
16: Steve, come on in here real quick. Interview you. Turn around here for me.
14: What do you think? That was a show we put on. Oh, it was a hell of a race. Yeah. No, he did a whoops some butt there boy
16: <laughs> we love the fact that you bring this show up here you know from the south to the north and uh, i really hope you enjoy here at pittsburgh
14: no i love pittsburgh uh i love this racetrack uh, everything matt does uh, for this show we my family appreciates everything vicky does and of course all the sponsors that uh, allow us to do this we'll see you tomorrow night up here right oh absolutely we'll be here
16: thank you very much steve we'll get some pictures here and then we'll get a couple of uh interviews here with uh, mr Faree. Hello.
14: well how are you i'm doing pretty well uh tired of getting beat by Cal when I come here and run these things, but yeah. Yeah, I, I know. He was just talking
16: about the fact that he kind of beat you last year and yeah. you're second again.
14: Yes, every time. Every
9: time. Yeah. It looked
14: good. It was real good. The car was, I can't thank the Ments enough. The thing was fast. I just screwed up a few times there and let Cal get way out in front. He was extremely well. But uh, once I slowed down and just started driving it right, it actually was pretty good the last four laps. So I don't think I was running him down, but he was, he was extremely good. So I just can't say enough about them. The car they gave me, this thing was a, a really good car tonight. Anyone else you'd like to thank? Uh, Lord and Savior, first of all, without him, I wouldn't be standing here. My wife, my kids, my mom and dad, like at the vents, my whole crew, uh, all the sponsors on the car, which stands transmission, and uh, I don't really know the rest of them because I'm filling in for Moloch tonight. Thanks for the opportunity to drive this thing. Uh, thanks to you guys up there for coming out in this cold, and uh, thanks for all the good racing tonight.
16: You like the super sub, man. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Alex Free, ladies and gentlemen, he gets second. He'll take some pictures down here, and we'll get Logan Zarin in here. Where's Logan, man? Hey, there's Logan the hockey star from moon township man i'll tell you what you got by wonderling that's yeah. a good car yeah, to man. battle and pass you know that yeah i mean i was a little nervous because
13: jeremy's best in the series so he came around me i was like oh damn and Then i got around him it was all right so happy to come home third tonight and uh hopefully get a little better
16: tomorrow tell you what you're a young lad you've been doing this a couple of years now you're learning is it you're learning more and more each race
13: yeah, I feel like this year I learned a little bit more than all the other years. I just feel a little better in the car, and then it all comes to you to, after that. So we're doing pretty good this season.
15: Who would you like to thank for your third? Um, all my crew, um, my parents, all my great sponsors.
13: I mean, they mean the world to me. So all those guys make this possible. So,
16: yeah, that's it. Congratulations, Logan. We'll get you in a photograph down here with the top three.
0: Oh boy, he too much to believe You know he always got an extra pack of cigarettes Rolled up in his t-shirt sleeve He got a tattoo on his arm I we'll say baby He got another one that just say, hey But every Sunday afternoon He is a dirt track demon On a 5 to
16: well, you made it a nice bookend for the night for the LUCON
15: team. A great win for you. Congratulations. What does it mean? Oh, I, I just can't thank Phil and Kyle enough. And, uh, you know, for for even being silly enough to put me in a race car is just a, an honor. And to be able to drive for somebody like Phil, uh, you know, that's been racing in the, in the Western PA region for, God, I don't know. Well, I can tell you exactly, 35 years. I'm 35 years old. He started in 1985. So... Um, just a true blessing and an honor, and uh, you know, without these guys, I wouldn't even be here. So I really appreciate them.
16: So you raced the Mod Lights Super Six. I know you picked up some feature wins, but you know you never won in a big division
15: before. So here you are tonight, winning for the first time and on a big track like this. Yeah, we've uh, we've won a couple races, and uh, you know, nothing to nothing to be ashamed about, and. Uh, you know, we we cut our teeth on uh, Mercer Raceway Park when it was owned by the owner of the Rush Light Model Series, and that's, that's Vicki right. Emmick. So, um, always really appreciated her support of of her support divisions, and you know, it it, uh, it grew guys like me up. You know, we had a place to race and uh, a place to sharpen our talent, and uh, to be able to come on a on a big stage like on PPMS and uh, here in the, in the Rush Division and get a win is a I'm just ecstatic. I'm I'm kind of lost for words, to be honest with you. Fifth place in the
16: big show too. I'll tell you what, it was a good night for you.
15: Yeah, you know, the uh, the race car was way better than the driver in the first race. I don't know if it was just if it was just jitters or what, but I finally got I finally got into a rhythm and uh, we started going back forward. And I really think we probably had a top a top three car, but uh, the driver kind of gave left a little on the table tonight and. We'll, uh, we'll come back in the morning, we'll get to work, and uh, we'll make this thing better for tomorrow night and hopefully get a podium finish and hopefully we get both 184s up there. That'd be a blessing. Anyone else you'd like to thank? Uh, I'd really like to thank my wife. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of drivers don't really emphasize on how much support it takes from a wife to be able to do this countless hours in the shop uh you're never home you know you pass in the hallway a lot and uh you know we both work full time jobs so and then be able to do this too is is uh is a blessing and I I just can't thank her enough um for not leaving me (laughs) you know uh to be honest with you there was a few years there where we were racing 40, 40 some nights you know 45 40 45 nights a year and you know barely ever seen her so I just want to thank her first and foremost for sticking with me and uh my parents um you know they they've been able to give me really good equipment my 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 whole life racing and uh, if it wasn't for them my dad his support of me i wouldn't be here so i want to thank them for- Well, can, well congratulations and maybe the contract negotiations with the lucons will work out for 2021 hey I, I i'm just trying to i'm just trying to be respectful and uh keep this race car in one piece and and try to try to do the best we can for phil and and kyle and like i said i, I just I can't thank them enough, you know. Check out
16: this nice etch plaque you're going to get. And also, how about that GoPro? Who's fighting over that, you or Kyle? You know, I, I don't know. We'll have to see when we get back to the trailer. Actually, from the sounds of it, you don't want that thing in the car because if the driver screws up, you don't want him to know, right? Oh, no, right. That's evidence. Maybe we'll put that in his
15: car. That's a good
16: idea. Congratulations,
15: Levi. Thank you. Hell, Real quick, I just want to uh, really thank the Hendron family for all the hard work. You know, uh, I almost forgot him there, and I just want to bring him into this and say, you know, all you guys in the stands, uh, if there's any of you left, I can't hardly see you, but um, bring a friend. We, uh, Dirt Track Racing needs fans, and uh, they need people like the Hendrens putting up and doing behind-the-scenes work to put up this kind of purse, and, uh, you know, like I said, phone a friend tomorrow. Let's pack this place. Congratulations, Levi. Thank you. Let's hear it, folks, for Levi
16: Spinoeber. This portion of today's program was brought to you
14: by Thomas Meatmark.
10: Stand on it. Come on, man. Stand on it. Stand on it now.
9: Jennerstown Speedway proudly presented Rapid On Racing, the Tri State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program was brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the Eastern United States. Be sure to join us the first Monday of each month during the off season for more Rapid On Racing.